both knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 429. Uh, Jason Lingren is with me, and we have a man who has a lifetime membership at Crow Triple Seven Radio due to the work he has done. As a matter of fact, uh, he influenced some important episodes that I've done, like the No Nukes episode. There have been a few that he influenced after I saw the work he was doing, and that would be the Hoax Buster. I'm pretty sure you can still find him on YouTube as Hoax Buster, but I know what's been going on. We'll ask when we get in. Uh, anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a hot good morning. All right. Welcome, Hoax Buster. Hello, everyone. Is it true that you can still be found on YouTube by searching Hoax Buster? Yeah, I'm sure you can. I've not actually done it, but um, it's there as Hoax Buster as it was before. Are there, and I'll warn you up front, if you say any contact in this hour, there could be many thousands of people over time that come. Is there anywhere else people can see your work on any other social media, or would you prefer just to leave it at YouTube? No, you can find it on BitChute as well. I back it up on BitChute. That's basically my backup channel. Okay, so on BitChute, he's Hoaxbuster, and everyone's going to have to tune their ears because our friend here has one of the best Scottish probes I've come across in a long time but that's not going to slow us down one bit. Um, as we jump in, I'll do the precursor. I don't even remember who sent me uh, the first ho- hoax buster clip that I saw, but within the first 15 seconds, I realized I was looking at a man who gets it. Not only was I looking at a man who gets it, uh, the clips he made had no audio whatsoever. It was all done with images and symbolism and maybe one of the best breakdowns of some of the things I've seen, just because of the way it makes your mind think about what you're being presented with. But anyhow, Jason, do you want to pick a starting point, or do you want me to jump in? Well, I would say, to start with, how about what got you looking at things in a way to put together uh, the first excellent video that I've ever seen, which is the Marie Curie one. Was that the first one? No, no, that wasn't my first video, no. That was... The one that got me nowhere quite well known through Crow and the Jungle Surfer as well. But that was the one that really uh, shot my channel up. You know, it, it just went crazy after that. So everybody knows, go find the Hoax Buster channel, however you find it on BitChute or YouTube. One of the things that just blew this off the charts, this clip, is at one point he takes a clip where somebody has said the name Marie Curie. And he plays it three or four times fast. In other words, it goes Marie Curie, Marie Curie, Mercury, Mercury, Mercury. And everybody's brains just kind of clicked over. But I, I, I can't even remember what the first clip was, but it feels like it was something to do with 9-11 or Apollo. Is, is that correct? What was your first clip? Oh, it was way back. Uh, I think it was something to do with, I was nukes, I'm sure. It was something to do with nukes, looking at footage of nukes, nukes and uh i done a, a JFK video and it was just, it was, it was the same deal. It was just uh, footage, really. I wasn't using pictures at that time. It was footage. And then I moved on to the pictures and sort of I blended it with some footage and audio or whatever and putting the music to it. So it kind of changed during about the time I'd done a Prince video. Sure. I'd actually given it up and this Prince information came to me when he died. And I tried to get it to the jungle surfer, but it didn't seem as if he was picking up on it. So I decided to make a video myself. And that was what got me restarted in it. And, I, you know, I just suddenly discovered a new way of doing it. 
for the way I had been doing it. And I thought this is much better. This is I could do this a lot better. So that's the way my future videos went after that, including the Marie Curie one. You know, it's it's interesting. There are a few people who had been right where I was early on. And those names were Jungle Surfer, Dave J, and myself in the United States and Australia at first. It was a very small group of people who I realized were getting it at the level it needed to be perceived. It was probably through the Jungle Surfer that I found you or vice versa. And you were one of the early, early adopters. At that point, someone had said to me, I don't remember whether it was Dave J or the Jungle Surfer. And this was, I don't know, a year or two in, I think. There's only three of us left, he had said. And at that point, I remember thinking, is this all going to be for nothing? And then others started to pick up, particularly on the work you did. I know the Jungle Surfer influenced a lot of people. Dave Jay influenced more people than I can imagine. But he kept getting it. You know, Dave Jay did not pull his punches. If he thought it was gospel, he said it regardless. And everybody here has been censored. I think Dave J was censored at the highest level. But how did you come? I mean, before you'd ever heard any of the names I just mentioned, were you already looking at the world with a critical eye? Or was it the onset of the internet that began to make you look more closely? Well, I, th- I think I've always been skeptical with a lot of things in, in life. You know, my boy had asked me if, you know, have I believed in aliens and all that, which me being skeptical, I didn't believe in them. But I said I would look into it and uh, try and find some evidence to say, look, aliens are just fake. But then I started watching all these truth movement videos and Manly P. Hall, a load of his lectures, I couldn't get enough of them. And, I, and that's how I really started. I found the jungle surfer and that later on. I would estimate that some of the early people that made the biggest difference on the internet that I'm aware of is the jungle surfer and it is Dave J. And then when I find, I don't even know where you were as I was finding out about these guys, but you quickly came into the line from the time I saw your first video. But one of the things you did was took a little bit further, like the idea, let's use the Marie Curie idea. Not only did you realize it was a poke in the eye, the, the name they had made up for the supposed lady who discovered nuclear nonsense. And this is proof too that this is one of the big proofs that nukes don't exist. If the lady who supposedly discovered radiation or whatever they want to claim is fake, what does that tell you about everything else that follows? But what you did is not only did you show that the name was a game to poke you in the eye so that they could make fun. These people are basically saying mercury and they don't even know that it's all a put up because we're so clever with our little name, Marie Curie, but you took the symbol of Mercury apart to show the extent and the level that even the symbol for Mercury was complicit in the hoax. Uh, You pulled in her magical husband, Pierre, I think his name was, and you showed that the Mercury symbol showed the wheel crushing his head at the crossroad. And I don't know how anyone in the world could possibly view your Marie Curie Curie video and not walk away recognizing the game that has been played on the minds of the world. Jason, would you add, I mean, I know you saw it about the first time I saw it, but for me, everything changed at that point because while I knew Marie Curie was nonsense and while I knew she was a put up, I had not even thought about tying it to the symbolism or playing the word game, just the extent that a hoax buster did. 
Well, that's what made us have so much respect for him in the first place. We were both like, wow, that's some great work that you put together there. And really made us focus in on, on watching every release that you put out from there. We even have done shows focusing just on breaking down some of your videos. What was the thing that really clued you off there? Um, I think it was, a, it was simultaneously I was studying the Gnostic Christians and the Agorian publishing, like Gnostic teachings. And they were talking about Mercury a lot because he, he obviously features a lot in alchemy and that as well as the Gnostic stuff. So I was learning all about that. There was people going about uh, selling uh, daffodils for a, an appeal for Marie Curie. And when I, I, I seen that, it kind of annoyed me because all that Marie Curie and radiation and all that, I was very sceptical of it. So I reckoned that Marie Curie was a hoax. So I started watching documentaries of Marie Curie well, I only watched one, actually, and that, that sort of right away gave me a clue. But I watched all the way through, and I couldn't help believe that when they were saying Marie Curie, it sounded like Mercury. Mercury and Mercury. And it just, I started looking into it, and I started investigating different aspects of Marie Curie's life. And I thought, well, the death of Pierre must be significant. I'll look into that. And then when I, I found the the newspaper clipping his death and how it, it, it explained it. The, the Mercury symbol just popped in, in, in my head and it was like, wow, there it is. There it is right there. I'm not imagining they're sounding the same. They are the same. Do you know what I mean? What you did when you realized all the things you just discovered is you lifted the game for all of us, as far as I'm concerned. For those of us that stuck around, I never thought, I, I mean, I'd already realized nukes are nonsense. I'd already realized, you know, the alien thing, like you mentioned, the way it's delivered to us, it's complete nonsense. Dinosaurs, uh, all, almost damn near anything of importance that's been around when I began to look at it. But what you did is you raised the game. And I think Rose is telling me right here that it looks like the Marie Curie was recorded in the fall of 2018, which was right when Jason and Rose were coming up to Rhode Island to meet me for the first time because we were getting ready to film parts of Shoot the Moon, the parts where Jason interviewed me. Uh, we were about ready to shoot that. And so your work on Marie Curie ended up exp in, in inspiring so many of mine, episode 132, episode 53, but it was at a whole new level because while I knew it was nonsense and I was looking for ways to try to demonstrate that it was nonsense, some of it is just basic knowing. Some of it is I can hear the bell. The damn bell is cracked. This isn't true. I just can't tell you exactly why. But after you put the symbolism in place, every other thing, particularly the work I did on nuclear weapons after that, because all of a sudden I realized I could pull the vitriol, I could pull the rooster, I could pull everything to do with mercury into this thing. And that brings me down to another thing we've been talking about, Hoaxbuster, and this is it. In some of the older stuff that I read, and I can tell you've been going back to even Manly P. Hall or any of these things, as we go back to the older records, uh, I came across someone claiming, first it was it was, so, it was not Steiner first, but they claimed that in the older writings, when you read about the luminaries called Venus and called Mercury, that they had been reversed. 
so that everybody moving forward would be getting it wrong. And I thought that's interesting. And I know so much of this world is fake. I would not be surprised. Then later on, I bump into another version of it that was slightly different. Then I bump into Steiner, who's saying the exact same thing. And based on your work, again, what I started thinking was all my life, I'm looking through a telescope and I know basically one of the brightest things you're ever going to look at is what we call Venus. And now I'm faced with the problem that the older writings supposedly are, that's actually Mercury that I'm looking at. And based on your work, I mean, how could it be that Venus would ever be a brighter luminary than Mercury? And actually it was your work that helped me come to accept that I do accept that the the names for Mercury and Venus and the symbolism, the meanings were flipped. Um, and I know that's going to irk a lot of people who are doing astrology and other things, but um, I'm not here to apologize. I'm here to look for the truth. But uh, what do you think about that? So in your mind, does it make sense that Venus would be the brightest thing we're looking at up there in the luminaries? Or does it make sense that Mercury would be the brightest? I would say Venus is brightest. You would say Venus is brightest. So that's basically what we accept. In fact, I've been doing a lot of work on Venus. And this is what's going to come out shortly. Venus and Mars. Venus and Mars are a, a partner. They're partners. Like Moon, Sun, and Mercury. They rule the summer months. And uh, Mars and Venus rule the equinoxes. And Jupiter and Saturn rule the winter months. You see? How did you arrive at that? Because I, look, I started looking at uh, Venus and Mars, and that's that's why I've came to a conclusion because I've also been looking at Mercury, Moon, and Sun are all they're a trio or a trilogy, uh, what do you call them? Triad, whatever. There's three. And then you've got the three, and then you've got the two at this equinox, and you get the two in the winter months giving you three, two, two. I don't know if you you can see this, but I can see this all in my mind's eye. I can I can see it all. Uh, you can see every if you put an astrological wheel in your mind, you can see it. But you've got to have summer at the top and winter at the bottom in order to understand it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll be looking for your video. Here's here's the issue. Here Here's the problem I had. When I first heard the claim that they switched those two things, I thought, well, why would I doubt that that's possible? Everything in our world basically is made up. Nukes are made up. Dinosaurs are made up. So many of the big things that always are being said in our world are based on a fiction. And so while I didn't know whether to accept it, I found it was interesting until I started looking at Mercury. And then I started thinking it makes sense that Mercury would be the brightest, which doesn't make it true. But here's here's the current model that I accept. And I'm getting texts right now asking if Hoaxbuster thinks that what we call orbits, would it be better to call them realms of influence or spiritual influence? We'll get back to that. But I've said this before, but here's why I think that I accept, at least with what I know now, that Mercury is actually the brightest of the two that could be Venus or Mercury. There is what we call a solar system, which I don't accept, or dirt and rock and places we can go. I don't accept that. We can go here. We can't leave this place while we're, I guess, tuned to this place. Put it this way. We can't take our tennis shoes off this world. Materiality doesn't appear to be able to go beyond the so-called firmament. If we look at the models that were handed us, I had come to accept the model. And then Steiner 
showed me the exact same model that I had come to accept with a little more precision than I had. And then I found out Tycho Brahe did it. And Tycho Brahe is one of my heroes. He was a man who actually did the observation and all the people we got didn't even observe Kepler. He was Tycho Brahe's whipping boy. And he inherited and he stole or inherited all Brahe's work. And the other guy is Copernicus. And when Copernicus published or they started to publish, he said, you know, this is all theoretical. And I never really observed. Um, that's what we got. So some mathematicians making some crap up who never looked at the sky. Brahe did it. Here's the model that I currently accept. Although just because I accept it doesn't make it right. I could learn something tomorrow that would change everything. There are two epicenters to what we call the solar system. And the first one, epicenters on the earth. And that goes as follows. From the earth to the moon, from the moon to Mercury, or the brightest thing we see, from Mercury to Venus, from Venus to the powers of the sun, all that that I just described, if it was orbits, or if you want to think about it as orbits, epicenters on earth. Now, when we go out to the big orbits, from the sun to Mars, from Mars to the dominions of Jupiter, from Jupiter to the thrones of Saturn, and then the, the hierarchies beyond, cherubim, seraphim, of course, God, the creator beyond that, all of that big ring epicenters on our sun. So that's currently what I accept, but believe me, you, I will be waiting for your video to come out. And I got to ask, do you view the orbits as rock? I mean, do you think we can actually go to Mars? Is there really a rock there we can stand on? Uh, or do you view it as realms of influence? No, that's, there's no rocks in space. No, it's, that's all rubbish. I'm with you. We live in a Taurus field. The stars are created in the, the hyperbola and projected onto the dome, which is the, the, the field that protects the Taurus field. And in the middle, the, it's like an apple, the big apple. With Earth at the center? Uh, is Earth at the center of the toroid? Yeah, it's a flat level plane in the center. Okay. Aye. And you've got North Pole, which is your core. You know the core that comes out of the apple? Yep. And in there you've got the vortex, a spinning vortex, and that's where all the planets are and the sun, and it's all projected onto the... It's projected onto a dome. And then you get a... You know where a dome you'll have a, a sort of parabola effect, where in the North Pole... In the northern hemisphere, you'll get a sort of mirror image on the sun. Do you know what I mean? So like a lensing effect. Yeah. So in, in thinking about things in that way, you're calling the dome what some people might call the firmament. Yeah. That's, I think, the corollary. But in thinking of this model in the way you do, that would mean the so-called South Pole is below us somewhere, wouldn't it? Uh, no, it's on the edges. It's on the edges. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you take a round magnet, the high concentration of magnetism will be in the center and round the edges. Mm. That's where you're getting the force. And it creates a, 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 a torus field round. So with magnetism, you've got dielectric plane of inertia, magnetism and electricity creating a torus field. That's Isis, Ra, and L. The triad, yeah, okay. Yeah, Isis is pure being. You know, like the still dielectric plane, pure being. That's where we get the, the word is. Is means to be. Isis. Isis is in the center of the, the astrological wheel. You see? Osiris is the, is the 
the bottom half at the winter. He's the, the winter solstice. And then you've got Horace at the, the, the Easter, at the, the, the equinox. And then you've got Ra at the summer solstice. And you've got Set at the equinox in the autumn. And this is where the story is, you see? Yeah, yep. Isis is the dot in the middle, the line running from there to the, to the northern winter equinox. That's Osiris's penis. Which got lost. Yeah, but she, she made it. Yeah, she put it back together. She made another one and, and it pregnated her and it created Horus. And Horus is then a baby and he's hidden away because they, they fear that Set is going to kill the baby. Just like Jesus has to hide away from Herod. You see, because it's a young son, it's, it's, it's fragile. And it needs to be trained and prepared for war, you know, like a warrior. And it has to be taught the spiritual lessons. And as it comes up to Easter is when he starts overcoming set because he's done his work and he overcomes set and there's more light than dark now, you see. Because set killed Osiris, or Osiris, Osiris and Lazarus are the same, you see. Same story told in different times. Yeah, they're all the the same stories told in different ways, and it's all to do with astrological signs and what happens in the sky. That's it. The sky clock is the be-all and end-all. That's where all the influences, where what we call time is rolled forward. But for everyone listening, if you got lost on, on why we're laying down the Egyptian ideas, you can easily go online, I think still, maybe the internet's not totally scrubbed, go look up an old Masonic Bible, probably from the 60s or before, and there will be all this in Egyptian stuff in the Masonic Bible. And it's for exactly the same reason that Hoaxbuster just laid down. It's an earlier telling of the same tale in a slightly different language, maybe, is the way to say it, right? Yeah. And that's all in the words. Sunset, sunset rules, ruled by set, because then that's where he takes over. The darkness comes, you see, and it's all in, it's all in the words. Horus is a, an anagram of hours. Horus takes 12 steps across the sky because he rules his daylight, you see. It's all in the words. You just need to look at the words. The words always have meaning, and it's funny, the first time when, when the whole flat earth thing broke out, and before I had gone out to see if I could see too far, which I did and I could and realized it was all lie, people kept pressing me. Well, how would you describe this place? I finally, I think the first time I ever said it in public was the best way to describe this place that I can tell you is to take the word planet and remove the T. And so then the big thing was, oh, Crow said it's a plane. But here's the, ir- here's the irony that backs up exactly what you said. People like Fortune and much more educated people that know the older times and other languages, a number of languages, told me that the word planet used to literally mean small plane, plan et. <laughs> it literally meant back in the day, small plane. Mm, strange. It's all in the language, like you said. And, you know, some of your videos just pull. I, I mean, I was aware of it at some level, but there was just for some reason, the way you put your videos together, it clicked me into a whole nother way of trying to describe what you are pretty sure is correct. And that brings us, the the other thing you did is you began to roll ideas together and like the vitriol 
Do you want to talk about the vitriol idea for a minute? Vitriol? Wow. You're going to way back now, eh? Yeah, way back. Eh, that's uh, in the earth, isn't it? Put it in the, in the earth and uh, I can't remember what it all means now. Yeah, it breaks down. So just so people know, you could look up the word vitriol. In Masonic traditions and other places, each letter of the word vitriol stood for something, and it was also part of an initiation, but it's even made it into our language. If you speak to someone with vitriol, you're not being very nice to that person. You're being vitriolic. This idea is so kind of occult, it made it into the movie that I've mentioned a few times, the, uh, the Borgia film. Not the one from here with Jeremy Irons, the other one from Europe. Pope Alexander gets addicted to vitriol, but it is also an alchemy. And one of your one of Hoaxbusters' very early clips breaks down vitriol. And by the way, I can't remember exactly what each each letter stands for either. But of all the videos you've done, which one's your favorite? Oh you have a favorite? That's a difficult one. That's a difficult one. I mean, yes, the Marie Curie one for yeah. That started it really. I started the ball rolling for me to to go on and do bigger and better things. So I must say that, and I, the way I researched that, I've sort of kept the same method, and you know, worked on that. But it's it's all to do with language. It's all to do with phonetics. It's all to do with numbers, words, what they mean. And the sky clock. You tie the sky clock to it. Yeah, sky clock is that's. That's the place to look. It's the only place to look. You look at Aries. Aries. That's the start, isn't it? That's the start. Now, if you look at Aries, you, you've got Mars ruling it. He's the god of war. And you've got Aries also the god of war in the Greek, right? Yes. So all these words have got A-R in it. And when I looked at that, I thought Aries... Mars, war, AR, what is it with this AR? And then I started thinking about stuff about war that started with AR. And you got words like army, you know, armor, artillery, loads of different words. And all they did with them, archer, archer with these arrows, you see? Brilliant. It's freaking brilliant. That's the way it works. You see, Venus is the same. Venus is the same. Envy comes for Venus. Vain comes for Venus. If you read about Aphrodite and all her antics, you see all these words when you're reading that. You see envy. You see vanity. You see all these words. Venerate, venereal. All these words come for Venus. This is how, how important these ideas are. These astrological ideas, that's how important they are. And this creates a problem for us because most of us were brought up in the Western Christian church and we were taught that to even think about these pagan ideas is useless. But what I came to try to do is I started saying these are not gods. They were never thought of as gods. Zeus was never considered a god. He was the chief aspect of nature or the most influential, or other ways, and it's exactly what you said. So you look up at the sky clock, they personified at some level, they gave a way for us to tell stories about what was going on in nature, in the creation, and then they built it into everything, because it reflected everything that can possibly happen to a human life here. There is nothing 
that can happen to a human life that isn't within the scope of what we're talking about. That's why all those old Greek myths, as we call them, pretty much have a story about anything that could happen to anybody. But what's more is the language, as you just pointed out, was shaped. And so now these symbols that represent the so-called planets, um, all of it is derived from basically, and I want to know if you agree with me, what I have chosen to try to talk about as not gods, but as aspects of nature. Do you think that's a good way to go at it? Yeah, as above, so below. Exactly. Yeah. How the universe works is how the atom works. You know what I mean? As a torus field too, all your atoms are torus fields, and the universe is a torus field. We are torus fields. We have a torso, which is an anagram of a torus. Venus rules torus, and Mars rules Aries. Aries rules the blood and the arteries. All of There's an AR again. It's also in start. Divine spark. That's the, the divine spark. When springtime comes, that's the start. See all these AR words. This is coming from Aries. You see? That's the start. It always will be. Always. That's how energy works. This is how energy works. And it always starts with fire. Aries is a fire sign. And Taurus rules the veins, remember. And veins is Venus. You see? Arteries and veins is Mars and Venus. So this is why, this is another reason, like the difference between the idea of someone like Athen Comente doing sidereal astrology. So he's looking at the sky that's above us, but the so-called tropical or other forms, this is why they're all important. Because what Hoaxbuster just said is Aries is always going to be first. There's never going to be a time when you're using those ideas about the sky clock that Aries is not going to be first in the way we think. And why is that? Because the story was told starting with Aries. So this is the, the predicament we find ourselves in. That sky clock where Aries was literally first could have been thousands of years ago, but it doesn't matter. The story was told starting with Aries. And so this is where we get into so much trouble. And I'll, and I'll, ask, I'll ask you, Hoax Buster, of all the things that I have found to be fake or hoaxed or lied about, big things, I realized this is all from the influence of the sky clock. So do I suspect that they've done things to hide how to use the sky clock? And that's why I suspect the divisions of the zodiac. I suspect that maybe Venus and Mercury have been reversed. But what do you think? Do you think that people took time to try to shuffle what we know about the sky clock in order to lead us away? On the wrong direction? Yeah, I, I understand that the Mercury Venus was, there's a bit of confusion, but in the astrological wheel, I would say that is, is perfect. We won't touch that. Just to be clear, I'm not reversing. The names mean what the names mean, but are they associated with the proper light? And I'm starting to sense that you think they're correct. You think that Venus should be the brightest, and that's how we think about it now, right? That's what you're saying. Well, Venus is the morning star, the bright and morning star. And the evening star. Yes. Right. Eve, she's Eve. Good point. Evening, evening is Eve and Venus. Good point. Libra, Libra is Venus. That's the evening. Libra rules 6 p.m., 8 p.m., whereas Aries is arise, arise, 6 o'clock in the morning, arise. You see, it's all in the words. <laughs> I am so waiting for your next video. Uh, and at Libra, what do you have? The fall. Right. 
we've got one side one side rises and the other side falls. If you spin a wheel, spin a wheel, one side rises and the other side falls. That's what you just said is one of the biggest ideas that I learned decades ago because I began to realize that as soon as the sun goes by a tie point or what we call the summer solstice, the days start to become shorter and the nights become longer. But in the microcosm of a man or a woman, our spiritual concerns tend to go to sleep. And then when we get down around Libra in the fall, following the storyline as it was written, that's when we see all the hoaxes. That's when we see the 9-11s. That's when television puts out the new programming. And the reason is, is because we are in fall. We're literally in fall. We're on the side of the wheel that is falling and our spiritual concerns can easily fall asleep. Um, how, how in tune a human being is can become you know dreary or sleepy, so to speak. I mean, do you, do you agree? It's almost always the fall where the big nonsense happens all the way down to Christmas time or the winter solstice. Yeah, yeah. All these myths are telling a story, but there's deep truths in them on the human level. You know what I mean? You've got to extract that because everything goes in cycles, and that's the astrological wheel. You know what I mean? Everything goes in cycles. It's cycles within cycles. Everything's moving. You know what I mean? That's about the truest thing anyone could ever say from my point of view. It is cycles within cycles. And so if we take for account what you have just pointed out about one side of a wheel rises, the other falls, and that when we come into what we call autumn, that is on the side of the wheel that is falling, which is why we call it fall, which is actually reflected in nature. What are the leaves on the trees doing? They're falling. What is, a man or a, what is a man or a woman doing? They're falling asleep, or that's a way to kind of try to describe it. But that brings us to where we are now. We're in the middle of a world takeover. We're coming through summer right now. Pretty soon fall's going to start. And that reminds me of, you know, what's that big, that big TV show, Game of Thrones, which actually is GOT, which actually is GOAT. It never ends. It's always in the words. But what did they say? Winter is coming. Endlessly, they said, hey, man, there's this bad thing about to happen. Winter is coming, and here we are in the middle of a world takeover, and fall is right around the corner. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, wheels within wheels. That's what a clock is, isn't it? Exactly. That's how a clock works. A clock is wheels within wheels. And a, and a pendulum will mimic the sun. If you swing a pendulum, it goes to an extreme at one side, and then it goes to the extreme at the other side, and there's always a balance point in the middle. And when it gets to that extreme, what happens? At some point, it stops and then reverses. It goes to the other extreme. And that's what the sun does. You see? It stops at the solstices. That's what, that's what solstice means. Sun stopped because it's pausing at the, the, the end of the pendulum. So a pendulum mimics the sun. And, and yet it's four o'clock. You see? I think we could actually say everything in nature mimics the sky clock or a better way of saying that is the energies, the aspects of nature that have nature work in the way it does is just the way it is. When the wind blows, trees shake. It's no different what you're describing. Or if a human being decides, hey, man, I want to make this device called a clock. What's he going to do? He's going to put wheels within wheels within wheels, cycles within cycles within cycles to get a clock to do three things. Track an hour, track a minute, track a second. Look inside a, a clock. And what that is doing is artificially knocking off 
what is built into what we see as the sky clock. And so this is a, a big part of what your symbolism, it gets me thinking there's no escape from it. Um, the language has it. The sounds of the language have it. What the, what the sun is doing is influencing what's actually happening down here where we are as above, so below. If it's fall, guess what? The trees are going to sleep. The leaves are falling. And guess what? When we get to the low point of the sun, it's exactly what you said. It's going to stand still for three days. And this was co-opted into many religions. And this is why part of why we have such a difficult time trying to talk about what we're talking about, because too many men in black stood at the front of their religious edifices lying, saying that the creation was a sin, that if you looked up at the sky clock, you were a pagan. They lied to your face. And that's why I now say religion is spirituality gone wrong. Because you can walk into four different religions and four different things you'll be told. And each one of them will tell you the previous one didn't get it right. Well, there's one answer. It's called the creation. And that's one of the ties that your videos, symbolic videos, forced my mind to realize this is not arguable. The sun is here. We're in this season. That is not arguable. It is what it is. And that means certain things are going to happen here. Yep. Indeed. So I'm curious what your initial clue off to uh, nuclear weapons not quite being as described was. I seen a video <laughs> and that, that blew my mind. That just blew my mind. It was, it was around about the same time I got the flat earth. I was getting into the flat earth as well. And that's, that's how I came across Jungle Surfer because he was doing flat earth. He was doing nukes as well. 2013. And that just blew my mind. That's why I wanted to become involved in the truth movement. I had to help out here, you know, do my bit. Everything that's happened has happened since 2013. And I'll never see this is Jungle Surfer came on this show a couple of times. I think he has issues with me at this point. I hope that's not true because I've always admired his work. But he came on our show a couple of times. And Jason, what was it? The second time that he said that thing? where our mouths just dropped open. Jungle Surfer, we were getting ready to record and Jungle Surfer says, you know, did you realize that the lunar wave was posted exactly one month before the flat earth movement kicked off? I said, come on. He said, I'm not kidding. Go look. And me and Jason just dropped everything, got on search engines. and said, oh my God, it wasn't just true. It was provably true. Do you remember Jason? Was that, I think it was the second time we had him on. I think so. Yeah. And so I remember what a big deal the accidental filming of the 2012 lunar wave was. I held on to it probably unfortunately for a year. I posted it in the fall, October something of 2013 or 20, yeah, 2013, a month to the day after that, the flat earth exploded and everybody was pointing for a part of what they were talking about as the lunar wave. So I know exactly the time you're talking about, it would have been. October, it would have been November of 2013. What was it that got you thinking? Got me thinking. Well, I remember seeing the lunar wave. I didn't actually know it was cool at the time. But I remember when I was I got into the, the flat earth movement, I was posting stuff about it and I was getting a bit of, you know, a bit of stick for it. And somebody had posted that, trying to debunk my claims. And I watched it and I'm thinking, well, this actually backs up my claims. You know, it shows you that there's something no right 
about the, what they're telling us about this realm that we live in, you know? Because as soon as I seen it, I said, oh, there's that lunar wave. I'd heard the, the, the idea of lunar wave, but I hadn't seen it. But then I watched this and it, and it was there. And it was uh, later on that I found out that it was the guy that was interested in my Marie Curie film, he, he actually discovered the, the lunar wave. And uh, it was funny. <laughs> what did John Lennon say? I love just watching the wheels go round and round. I really love to watch them roll. <laughs> it's, it's all been in front of us, but it was funny. You know what I think about sometimes is how few people that I view probably had the largest influence on what happened. There were three of us and there were a few others on the sidelines, but the ones that made the biggest, and I didn't even know about you for a while. I didn't know about you until I saw that first video. And I don't remember if it was Marie Curie. I think it was actually one before Marie Curie, but there, there were three of us and Dave J quickly uh, was so put upon because he didn't give a damn. He was telling the truth as he thought it was. He didn't give a damn what anyone thought. And he took fire endlessly. Jungle Surfer modified how he did business to try to stay afloat. I did a similar version in a different way. And then there were people like you that were making these videos that were just so powerful and not a word was spoken on most of them. But it goes to show you how few people can start something big because. In the same way, Jungle Surfer told Jason and me, did you know that a, a month after you posted the first lunar wave that you had just accidentally discovered, uh, it kicked off, it helped kick off the, the flat earth movement. And I remember people like Mark Sargent were going on every show known to man and saying my name to the point where I was getting emails saying, hey, man, I, I don't even know who this guy is. I have nothing to do with him. Um, that video was clearly intricately tied. And then we look at your videos and I imagine... It'll never be quantifiable what what your Marie Curie video did, what, you know, these other ones. But one of the early people was uh, Jungle Surfer with Dinosaurs, which was ironic because I stumbled before I even ever knew who Jungle Surfer was. I stumbled on a forum and there were engineers in there arguing dinosaurs can't possibly be real. Here's the here's the engineering math that proves it. And they're laying down all these engineering reasons why it's impossible for a brontosaurus or a T-Rex or anything else of that size to live. And it got me thinking. And then Jungle Surfer came around and he kicked off. You know how he does it. He just he says what he says and he does it from a place of knowing. Do you even recall what the first what the first times you saw people like Dave J or the Jungle Surfer? Do you do you remember the first time you ever bumped into him? I'm sure it was a new coax that. He was the first one I ever seen doing the new quotes. He launched a whole channel. He had Jungle Surfer, and then he he realized, like I did, censorship was coming. And I think he opened up two or three channels, but one of those channels he named New Cokes. Yeah. So in my mind, he's probably the granddaddy of I don't know what you think. He's probably the granddaddy of challenging nukes. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, uh, arguable, I suppose, but um, Mars not. Really, this the truth is out, and that's the that's the main thing. Isn't it? Good point. Good I seen point. a lot. I seen a lot of day. Eric Dubé was doing a lot of work on flat Earth as well. Well, that there's a whole story there. I didn't even know who he was when someone emailed me and said, "Why are you on Eric Dubé's top ten show list?" And I said, "What are you talking about? Who is this guy?" And I went and looked, and sure enough, he had me on a top ten show list. 
Um, partially, I guess, because Mark Sargent had been saying my name everywhere he went, um, like he was my best friend. Uh, but he said I was a show because of the lunar wave, as far as I can tell. But I don't know how long ago. When did all that come to a head, Jason, in that forum? Oh, it was like five years ago now. Yeah, I, was, I never said anything to the man. I never met the man. And then I'll, one day I started getting more emails. And so I went over to his forum and said, hey, pal, why don't you come on my show? I'll be polite. And you tell everyone why I'm a shill. And uh, everyone in the forum went off and, you know, here we are now. He never came on and I haven't heard him badmouthing me. But for some reason, he took umbrage with the lunar wave. A lot of people did, but at first it was 50-50. So many people said I faked the lunar wave for about a year and a half till the second one was filmed. And that happened to be me, which made it worse. But then other people began to film it. And here, all these years later, it's been filmed in front of Saturn, Jupiter a couple times, or vice versa. So it's it's proven. It's not, you know, I can't tell you exactly what it is. I have my ideas. But Eric DeBay took time to call me a shill for having filmed the lunar wave. When someone is out of material, the last thing they've got is to start shill calling. And it's ridiculous. Uh, well, I don't even get it because I don't, I don't argue with people. I don't badmouth people. So anyhow, let's get back on point. <laughs> The lunar wave is tied to the, the equinoxes, is it? I thought that at first. And the truth is, as I filmed the first, well, here's here's what kicks my butt when I look back on it now. When I first did it, in, intuitively, I suspected that it was connected to the equinoxes, which it may be. It's been filmed all over the place now. But here's the thing. After I filmed the first one, I filmed and filmed day after day for years. It was, I think, a year and a half later, and I filmed it near the spring equinox. So then I really thought, oh, yeah, here it is. The first one was, and, and the first one, here's the kicker. I didn't even know the equinoxes were lied about back then. And when I looked back, I realized the 2012 lunar wave was filmed on a true equinox, equal day and night day, not the day they say it is, but the actual equal night, equal day in San Diego. And it was Yom Kippur. Mm. So I thought, come on, man, this ancient Hebrew thing, you know, the atonement of God, the finger of God, all these ideas, I thought. And then a year and a half later, I film it near the other one, but I could never prove it, hoaxbuster. And it has been filmed all over the place now, but I would not be surprised. I mean, you and I both know this is a wheel, baby, and there's two equinoxes on the sides and there's two solstices. So if this is a wave firmament, who knows? It would not surprise me. To find out it is most likely to be filmed at some certain time, I just can't prove it. And we're coming close to the top of the hour here. So I'm going to wrap up hour one. And I just want to say what an honor it is to have you on. And of all the people that were ever online, you influenced me as much as everybody did. Early on, the Jungle Surfer. Early on, Dave J. These were the people who I knew knew. They knew at a level that a lot of people around hadn't caught up with. But Jason, anything you want to add in before I wrap up? hour one of 429. So I know you faced uh, the censorship issue on YouTube. Is that the only place that uh, you post your videos now? I know they took out your first channel. Yeah, I do it in BitChute as well. Um, I think it was my early videos that got me took down. It was it was something to do with the early videos. That's why I, only start, I started at Marie Curie. So a lot of my earlier videos are on BitChute. And anything that's been taken off uh, YouTube, which is only one, I've only had one taken off my new channel. Was it Lady Diana? I remember you had a Lady Diana clip, and I thought that was going to get censored. Well, uh, I thought I thought it was that that actually got me the first 
uh, channel takedown. I do too. I think, I think it was the JFK one. Really? Uh, that was my highest viewed video. And uh, it caused a lot of controversy, uh, needless to say. And there was a lot, because it was so uh, gruesome, do you know what I mean? It was it was like close up uh, JFK getting shot. And it was like a lot of repeated scenes getting shown over and over again. It was a very early video. I was very rough and ready, you know what I mean? So I think that got me, because they actually took it down at one point and I appealed and I got it back, put back up. And then I, I, just, I don't know why, I just sensed there was something happening. But they, and then they took it down. And that was it. There was no a chance of appeal or anything. He just took it down without any explanation. He just said, that's it. You know, getting an appeal. And, and then just shortly after that, my channel disappeared. That's what they do. They don't offer. They I, I don't even put content up. I put up a clip that says, go to Crow 777 Radio. They're removing those now with no notification. It's just a one-minute or a two-minute clip. But I suspect that it was the JFK thing. And by the way, Dave J., the man with the balls of the bull who would face down a firing squad and still say his truth. I'm sure of it. He was one of the earliest guys to show what JFK was. And I don't know how, and they would take down his channel. He'd put up another one the same day and still keep talking in the way he did until, you know, they, they beat the living crap out of that man. And they took down so much of his work, but anyhow, let's move on. And by the way, I do, when I remember when I saw the princess Diana video, I suspected this is going to be trouble for somebody. Yeah, but people need to go catch that. I mean, you wanted, you know, there's there's a goddess or what they call a goddess called Diana. Hint, hint, hint. Uh, on and on it goes. But that is our one of episode 429. We're going to take a short break. Uh, excuse me, I'm starting to get a Scottish broke. <laughs> a short break and come back for hour two. I hope everyone joins us at crow777radio.com. That's C R R O W 777 radio.com. You're going to want to catch our two. This is an honored guest in my view and a lifetime member of the website. There it is, man. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
belief is the enemy of knowing. Come.